Just a warning, Classified the podcast may contain content which is distressing for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to episode two of Classified. Thanks for tuning back in. As I mentioned in our last episode, we are going to be doing one case per episode this season in an attempt to shed some light on Australian cases that I feel haven't been given enough attention or I think you would all be interested in dissecting with me. With this next case, it's definitely not for the faint-hearted. It's gruesome, it's gross, not just in the fact that it's gory, but it's immensely hard to understand the human condition after analyzing this one. So let's get into it. I suppose most notably about the crime scene was the massive amount of overkill, as we call it, that the injuries sustained by all three were well in excess to have killed them. Um, normally it's an indicator of an interfamilial killing and normally it's an indicator of a killing which expresses a large amount of emotion and normally someone close to the family. I was having a drink with a friend from uni not too long ago who has recently become a police officer and he mentioned a case to me that he thought I should cover on the podcast. After heading home, I did a little bit of digging and it didn't take long to become fixated on the details of this case and how petrifying it was that it happened nearby. Much like the case of Nicole Cartwright, this happened in North Ryde, a suburb in the north of Sydney. So let's paint a picture. It's a cold evening in July 2001 in the middle of suburbia. 21-year-old Seth Gonzalez is coming back to his family home from dinner with a friend around midnight. He opens the front door and is confronted with a tragic scene. The bodies of his father, Teddy, his mother Mary and sister Claudine are laying in the home. Lock your ears now if you're a little queasy with the details. The entire living room is covered in blood. His mother's throat has been cut. His father's spinal cord has been severed and both of his parents' bodies are riddled with stab wounds. His sister's body is in her bedroom where she's been attacked from behind and badly beaten with a baseball bat. Not only has the killer massacred the family, but he's gone one step further. Underneath the Catholic family altar is the racial slur of F off Asians KKK. Seth rings triple zero and tearfully says that his family has been killed in their home. As I pulled Seth up, he, he turned and said, mommy, 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 and ran around the corner and I followed him to where Seth's mother was on the floor. Mama! Seth jumped down and started pulling at his mother, calling out, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. When the police started investigating this case, they said that this killer looked like an amateur. He was not a professional. This wasn't carefully planned out and there was a lot of force used. It was obvious the crime was designed to be racially motivated. The slurs on the walls certainly were there to make people think that this was the primary motivator. 
Given that Seth was the only living family member from this home and he'd found the bodies, the frenzy that engulfed him was immense. Uh, The Sydney Morning Herald reported that he said it was difficult to explain the love and ties in his family, but that the three corners of his world were now gone. And he was said to be overcome with grief during this police conference at the time. He then delivered the eulogy at the funeral for his family and he sang a Mariah Carey song during that eulogy, which made a lot of headlines at the time. But if you were to picture the four corners of the world, in my world, we were the four. My family, friends and myself would like to ask anyone out there to please help us. Sorry. I never told you all I wanted to say. But this sympathy and rhetoric didn't last very long. The police sowed the seed of doubt pretty early on in the investigation, saying that Seth seemed unemotional about the murders somehow with them, like he wasn't as sad as he probably should have been. Even through all the police interviews and the home walkthrough, he was visibly unemotional. Can I just get you to go through and and somewhat detail what you did at that time? I went to him, I kneeled down, and um, an operator answered me straight away. And um, I said that I needed an ambulance. Again, I I realise it's very difficult for you. If you do want to suspend any time, just indicate that. I noticed something in the, in the in the living room in the in the, in the couch here we can spend temporarily and recommence when you feel right okay yeah, okay Following the death of his family, Seth was said to have lived a pretty lavish lifestyle, moving into a fancy new apartment, buying expensive cars, and he even boasted about the large inheritance that he was going to receive following his family's death. Naturally, this did not go unnoticed by the police and definitely raised a few eyebrows at the time. After some more laborious digging into Seth's life, the police and his relationship with his parents presented a lot of glaring red flags. He was brought up devout Catholic and apparently this took its toll on Seth and the relationship he had with his immediate family. Seth's family wanted him to be a doctor or a lawyer and Seth had failed his pre-law uni course and had gone so far as to fake academic letters and transcripts to avoid his family from finding out. The police then found the smoking gun, which was that Seth had searched methods of killing and poisoning online prior to his family's murders. He'd gone that step further to purchase toxic seeds from Byron Bay and the United States and had given them to his mother. This didn't work, by the way. She was treated in hospital for what they suspected at the time was a bad case of food poisoning. Remember how I said that Seth had mentioned to police that he was out with a friend the night of the family's murders? Well, this also started to look significantly less likely. His neighbor had told the police that he had seen him the night of the murders, fleeing the home around 7 p.m. Police thought this might've been to get rid of the murder weapons, which were found to be two kitchen knives and clean himself up. 
He'd also mentioned to police that he was out all day driving around Blacktown and surrounding suburbs, but his father's client and aunt had seen his car in the driveway earlier during that day. It is safe to say there were a bunch of holes in his story and his alibi wasn't holding up under closer examination. The police saw Seth as a repeated liar and had uncovered many stories that he'd told friends that also were incredibly deceptive, like that he'd gotten a record deal after singing at his family's funeral, or that he had cancer and was going to die and his inheritance was going to help pay his medical bills. He was a compulsive manipulator and they thought that Seth relied on this tendency to try and get him out of a triple homicide. Seth, um... As you're well aware, you've been a suspect in relation to the murders of your mother, father and sister for some time now. Yes. Um, I want to inform you now that you are formally under arrest. Uh, this morning, members of Strike Force Taywaz, who have been investigating the deaths of the Gonzalez family at uh, North Ride, executed a search warrant where certain property was uh, seized. A 21-year-old uh, male person was arrested and uh, he has been charged in relation to the uh, murders of the uh, Gonzales family, that being Teddy, Mary and Claudine Gonzales. 11 months after the murders, police arrested Seth on three counts of murder and was sentenced just after his 24th birthday. He, to this day, proclaims his innocence in prison. was one of those just awful, gruesome ones that just sort of gets more tragic the more you read. And it's always hard to believe that this kind of crime could happen to a regular suburban family that's not living that far away from you. And I think what really creeped me out the most was just the sheer brutality of the murders themselves. They were so violent. They were so graphic. I'm going to be putting some images of the home, the crime scene, Seth, and little parts of the investigation up on classifiedcrime.com if you're interested in having a look at what I'm talking about. Once again, not for the faint-hearted. It's incredibly graphic and brutal, and I think that's what really freaked people out about this case, particularly after Seth was charged with the murders themselves. He was coined the baby-faced killer when he was on trial for his family's murders, which is so creepy when you look at the photos of him. He really does look so young. And I know it's such an odd thing to say, but he just doesn't look like a killer, which I think is one of the startling things for people about cases like this is the killer almost never looks like they'd be capable of a crime like that. Another interesting comment about this case, which was made at the time by a couple of expert criminologists, was that normally with murders, there's expressive motives, which are due to sort of an uncontrollable, volatile emotion that comes bubbling to the surface and gets let out. And then there's instrumental motives, which is when someone's murdered for money or some sort of material gain that can be had after they die. And that this case sort of had that weird combination of both, where it seems that Seth was so angry at his parents and his family for a number of reasons that I mentioned earlier, that 
made him furious and, you know, enraged in such a way that he wanted to kill them. But that also afterwards he was living this lavish lifestyle and bragged about the inheritance that he was going to get after the sale of his family's assets. So it did have this planned element and the expressive motive was weaved in, but also a massive sign of an instrumental motive in that he actually became quite wealthy after his parents passed. So that was another little interesting tidbit about the detail of this case. for tuning in to episode two, season two of Classified. As usual, guys, make sure you give us a rating on iTunes podcasts. If you have a minute, leave us a review as well. It really helps us out. You can also follow us at Classified Crime on Instagram, where we discuss all things true crime and you can chat about the podcast as well. We also have additional true crime resources and our ebook is available at Classified Crime. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you soon for episode three.